Hey everybody, welcome to E-Commerce Answers, a podcast produced and sponsored by Acorin, a leading e-commerce agency. My name is Frank Thompson. Every episode we're going to explore, analyze, and discuss key issues facing both B2B and B2C e-commerce merchants. We're going to look at a wide range of topics with a bias towards trends and technologies that merchants, e-commerce team members, and the media will be interested in. Welcome. Now that it's a Friday afternoon at the end of June, we are going to talk about the year uh, the year so far. And just to remind our listeners, uh, Frank, head of uh, sales and marketing, and uh, Graham, head of delivery, uh, we're going to chat about how the year has gone so far from our e-commerce agency perspective. Um, obviously, a uh, big, big part of the year has been the continuing pandemic and um, what we've seen happening with companies as we start to edge uh, out of the pandemic, there's a, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on with our clients, a lot going on in e-commerce and um, a lot going on in the workplace uh, too. We've been acquired uh, as of April 1st by uh, Wasserman Company. And we're excited about that. We have um, many new colleagues as a part of the Wasserman Group. But uh, within Acorin, uh, we continue to uh, chug along doing a lot of e-commerce projects for some, for some great clients. So a um, little bit of an icebreaker here. The first topic I want to talk about is, um, have you changed, have we, have we changed our work habits as the pandemic has gone on in terms of workplace? Do you... Um, do you tend to, Graham, do you tend to work in a different part of the house than you used to? Do you tend to move about more? Uh, what's changed since March of 2020 now that we're getting ready to head to the office occasionally? Or is your work day basically the same in terms of where you're working? Well, from where I'm working, the weather's improved tremendously in Boston between March and now. So when I can, I actually... I'm talking about March 2020. <laughs> yeah, well, all... even March 2020, I try to sit on the balcony in the mornings and do my calls from there, where it's a, a, a nice change from being in, a, in an office all day uh, working. But it, from the, the whole idea of distributed working and work from home really hasn't impacted us, whether it was March 2020 or today. Most of our team has worked remotely for a long time. Um, we have we do have some some offices where some of the team members have historically gone into the offices because of COVID. Most of them have started working remotely, and I suspect that's going to continue. So there there is some change there, but but for the most part, uh, as a distributed company from day one, it hasn't had an, uh, a big big impact uh, to us. I'll tell you, um, and, and I would I would agree with that. Everybody on the sales and marketing team, um, you know, for me it's a little bit different because uh, I tended to go to the office in downtown Boston three times a week at least, sometimes five, just to get that uh, interaction with uh, members of the team uh, at uh, our sister agency, Riddle and Bloom, and. Um, you know, whenever I needed to bounce ideas or uh, creative thoughts off of, there was always somebody there and haven't been able to do that as easily working from home. But one thing that's uh, changed from 
my perspective has been um, how I've worked remotely. Uh, just um, given the pandemic, feeling like I, I, I need to move around a lot more during the workday. So I've learned uh, to use voice recognition on my phone to do things like draft blog articles, to uh, do some writing, to write memos and emails and so forth, trying to do that while walking and um, develop some, some good fitness habits, walking at least five miles a day. Um, I don't have as nearly the level of uh, coordination with different uh, people on the team as you do, given your delivery responsibilities. But um, that's uh, the one thing I've learned to do is to really leverage, leverage the phone and uh, try to work um, while walking or doing something active instead of sitting, uh, sitting all day long is one thing, one thing that's uh, happened to me, which has been a, a positive thing. Um, so let's talk about our work and our, uh, the major platforms that we work on Adobe commerce, formerly Magento, uh, big commerce and Shopify. And to some degree, uh, we, since we do some work on Salesforce, um, them as well. But with regard to those um, big three, let's talk about um, the, the, what's the, what's the coolest thing we've learned about those uh, three platforms uh, this year, uh, especially in the, in the last six months in, in 2021, it's been a, it's been a, a big year for all of them. So I'll first ask you about um, uh, Magento. I mean, Adobe commerce. And maybe <laughs> the naming does get get to be a bit difficult. Well, it, it it's fantastic seeing some of the B two B features around order approvals, and a lot of that logic that we helped uh, helped work on and um, worked with Adobe Commerce on. So that was great to see that. But something I'm really excited about is the artificial intelligence that is getting rolled into the Adobe products around Sensei. There have historically been a lot of point solutions for search and for product recommendations. They've always been difficult, especially when you get into complex B2B types of functionality where you've got pricing rules that are tied to search relevance. So if I, so, let me give you an example. I want to show a specific price rule for a group of customers, and I want to show it on a product listing page. Yep. For, for specific products. Most of the search tools out there have a difficult time indexing the content and associating that content and products to specific customer groups at specific price points. So think of, I give company A at, um, a product at, at $10 and company B at $12. Most search engines would return a result set for the product but then showing the right price to the logged in user Isn't has been a easy. challenge. Yeah. yeah, it's it's been a challenge for a lot of products because they try to display the price as well as the product information. Now you yeah. can get around it in certain ways by not showing pricing on listing pages. That's an important, very important nuance for B two B buyers. Oh, absolutely. With Sensei, because it's built into the platform, uh, that becomes a really great feature to be able to have out of the box. And I think it's going to give a lot of the search providers out there a bit of a run for their money. Uh, maybe not in the first release for some of the more sophisticated search providers, but definitely over time it will. That's a really, uh, that's a great, that's a great point. So um, 
What about um, just the, the Adobe, we, we now are calling Magento Adobe Commerce. It's official. The name has been, the name Magento has been dropped. Uh, any thoughts on that, even while you get used to it? I find myself using the term Magento a lot still. Um, but I think well, we still you, need to because uh, people search for Magento. So in terms of our business, it's important. Right. And it's still the open source version is still called Magento, right? Yeah, yeah correct. But I also find that a, the Salesforce Commerce Cloud formerly Demandra, I still call it Demandra four years after that it got rebranded. So it'll probably be a while before I I, I call Magento uh, Adobe Commerce. But knowing that they're, that they're moving it that, that way, um, we are starting to see quite a gap building between the Adobe Commerce functionality and the Magento open source functionality. There's a lot of investment going into uh, the platform and we're starting to see the features and functionality really going towards Adobe Commerce. Um, even, uh, even outside of the B2B? Yeah, outside of the B2B. And I think if we look at Sensei as one example, that's um, a, a service outside of the platform, but tied into it. So we'll see how much investment continues to go into uh, Magento. But the reason that Magento is where it is today is because of a, re a very vibrant community. And we fully expect the community continue to, to learn and grow and, and evolve on the platform. So let's talk about uh, the two big SaaS pl platforms. We do a lot of work on big commerce and Shopify. And first um, talking about um, big commerce as our team has ramped up our, this is year two for us as a big commerce solution partner. Um, what, what have you learned about uh, big commerce that um, you think is kind of key to our ongoing work with them? Or um, even if it's basic, uh, what do you like about big commerce, either or? Uh, I like a few things. Number one, they are focusing on B2B capabilities and functionality. Number two, they have a strong focus on being able to have headless, which, which Im implies they've got a lot of API capabilities. Uh, capabilities built in as well. Yeah, so that um, when they say API first architecture, what does that mean for the business person? Um, it means that if you want to make changes to data or interactions, you've got APIs available to let you do it. So uh, because the APIs are available for modification and customization, you can use a, an app like Rocket Flows to build out these custom integration points and custom functionality, maybe more easily than you would on a Shopify. Right. And uh, from, from my perspective, and it was just announced, and we have a, a, a blog post going up about the same time as this podcast, the, um, the B2B edition has been announced. That's essentially making B2B Bundle, which was an app, a B2B app for big commerce is now a part of the application. It's not separate. You don't log in separately. It's um, using the same data and so forth. Um, it's got a, really a quite a decent core of uh, B2B features. It's, it's certainly not, um, not the same as Adobe commerce, but um, 
It seems like uh, we're going to be able to satisfy a lot of SMB and mid-market uh, B2B merchants, maybe even allowing some larger brands that need to do some uh, B2B, um, uh, an, an avenue for, um, for unified commerce. So I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to see that they're pushing hard on that. And uh, we, we look forward to, to working with it as it gets some market penetration. Um, how about Shopify? Um, we continue to do work on Shopify. Uh, especially for some B2C clients. Um, what are we seeing with uh, Shopify just beyond its pervasiveness and that everybody mm-hmm. knows about it? Anything in particular strike you that's um, uh, noteworthy about uh, what Shopify is doing this year? Yeah, so it's something they announced the end of last year, but it's really only getting rolled out this year, is the whole idea of the unified checkout. Oh, that's a, right. big, yeah. a big part of that is focused on subscription businesses. So products that that you uh, get to place recurring orders on. They created this unified checkout so that instead of sending customers into a third-party app for for their checkout of subscription orders, it can all be done within Shopify. That's, I think, a really big move because it unifies the experience. It it gives a much more... um, seamless experience for customers and fewer moving parts for merchants to have to maintain. So in uh, generally speaking, a lot more control over the checkout process, correct? Correct. For me, the, the, the thing about Shopify I'm learning is a, is a, is a new business development person is that um, Shopify has uh, such huge penetration now into the marketplace that it's almost synonymous with e-commerce. I've run into brands and some initial uh, new business conversations where they're saying things like, we're, we're, we're getting a Shopify for this business, we're, we're, we're doing Shopify for that business, and they're saying it as though it's, e-commerce. And I think that's just a testament to the amount of uh, market penetration that they've earned over the years. Yes, a heavy bias of that penetration is towards B2C and startups and mom and pops. But um, the general business person and even consumers are becoming uh, very aware of Shopify and its role uh, in the e-commerce world. So to me, that's uh, that's uh, a, a noteworthy, noteworthy aspect about um, about Shopify. Um, any thoughts on with uh, Shopify or Big Commerce as the, the the two major SaaS platforms we work with? The coolest app, the coolest plugin or extension that um, we've come across as an SI this year that we're finding useful for our clients. Any thoughts on um, on that? One of the best applications or apps that, that we use and it's not just Shopify or BigCommerce, uh, it, it's Magento as well, is uh, Clavio for email and marketing automation. Yes, They've done a really good job of integrating into all three of the platforms and tying their APIs in to provide some really robust tools around um, Email signups, transactional emails, marketing emails, drip programs, abandoned cart management. Um, uh, Across the board, I've been impressed by what they've done. 
Well, they think where they've really succeeded is um, uh, making it easy to do the harder aspects of e-commerce marketing. And that means, you know, integrating and understanding the data of your customers with your marketing and really giving uh, e-commerce merchants the capability to do what used to be and still can be quite difficult marketing, including segmenting your database, giving certain segments of your customers uh, one message while giving other segments a different message and doing making those uh, drip programs much more easier to implement and then really integrating that with your understanding of how your e-commerce site is performing. Cladio has done an excellent job there. And like uh, like like Shopify, I believe Clavio is going to be synonymous with uh, with with e-commerce marketing tool uh, pretty soon. They're going to be um, you know two in the same. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, since we do a lot of work with integrations, um, not just working on the front end of the platform, but the back end of the platforms. What um, what's the most uh, complex or interesting integration that we either have gotten involved with finished this year or are getting involved with what's the most challenging integration that um that that you've seen come across the deck in uh, delivery the most challenging ones are always the ones where you have to synchronize data across systems so typically those are going to be the financial related ones so things around credits or around uh, pay on account where you're making sure that the customer has enough credits available in their account, um, especially when those accounts are in, are in external systems. So doing API calls to, to get available balances, updating them and making sure that there aren't any issues uh, around reconciliation uh, are tops. And, you know, in, in Magento, because it's you're able to able to mod, uh, modify the code, you can put quite a lot of structure around how that happens right. in code. When it comes to Shopify or BigCommerce, you typically have to create a third-party app, which is why we have the RocketFlows platform yeah. to allow us to do that and, and put a lot of control over what those integrations do. So a bit of a related question here, but I have a friend who's uh, consulting with a prospect on, on digital transformation and they're, um, they're, they're struggling with um, uh, which, which comes first, um, the, 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 a, a revamp of existing systems or e-commerce, especially in a case where e-commerce is a significant uh, portion of the business. Any thoughts on um, priorities in digital transformation? And is, is an ERP and a PIM and all of those systems that uh, help digital transformation should those be first or should the e-commerce platform be first or what are the priorities there? Any thoughts? And what, or what are we seeing our clients doing? I think the, the, the answer is yes. It's really going to depend on the specific, uh, specific customer and, and how their business is set up and which systems they, they want to overhaul. Um, if e-commerce is generating significant revenues, even if they want to overhaul it at some point, making sure that you've got the back end capabilities to do it, 
I think is critical. You know, we've got one one big customer in the healthcare space that has multiple Adobe commerce sites running and they've got an antiquated ERP system. But the cost of replacing that ERP system is significant. So rather than replacing the ERP system, and they're processing thousands of orders a day, rather than making those changes, they've chosen to invest in the user experience on the Adobe side. And there are some constraints that they have to live with, and they know they have to live with them because the ERP system requires it. But for their business, it it doesn't make sense to transform a lot of the back end at this point. Right. I mean, businesses, in in other words, businesses really do need to protect the aspects of their business that are their bread and butter paying the bills. So it does make sense if you're growing on the e-commerce side, you're going to be focusing on those. And if you can make do with something on the back end that's antiquated. And we've, we've seen that for years, haven't we? I think we've we still have active integrations with IBM AS 400s and other <laughs> middleware connections between ERPs and, and front end e-commerce. Don't we? It's, it's still out there, isn't it? We yeah, definitely do. In fact, we're doing a AS 400 integration right, ha- right now with, uh, with Magento, another one. So just a, a couple of fun questions here uh, as we, as we start to close in on wrapping up our thoughts on the, on the, um, on, on, the first half of 2021. So um, an interesting stat I have for you, I wanna talk about it a little bit and it's related to Shopify. Uh, according to the Motley Fool, which I read and which you probably don't because you're smart, Shopify is sitting on 6 billion in cash. If you were running Shopify, what would you do with it? Any thoughts? Uh, off the cuff, there are probably a few different paths to take. One could be around building out suites of functionality, essentially taking on what a lot of third-party merchants do or third-party apps that are needed in the Shopify ecosystem. If you look at the Shopify ecosystem, most stores require multiple apps to function. So that could be one area that I'd invest in, possibly buying up a lot of the major apps that are out there or or rebuilding them directly on the Shopify platform so that customers work just with Shopify. The other one is because they are trying to position themselves, I think, as an alternative to Amazon, uh, potentially go the Amazon route of having fulfillment, much more fulfillment. They already have some fulfillment capabilities, but um, could you buy some of the warehouse management companies? Yeah, I was going to say vertically integrating into the e-commerce process uh, with warehouse and fulfillment. And I think um, maybe uh, having an in-house marketplace app that they can offer easy plugins for uh, entrepreneurs to use and stuff like that. And um, you know, the only thing I would add on is um, I'm, a, I'm assuming they're going to use some of that cash to uh, go after the B2B market as well. Um, just um, kind of following on the coattails of what uh, big commerce has been announcing. I think it's going to be whatever happens, it's going to be interesting to see what they what they do with um, with uh, with all that 
with all that cash. Yeah, and you know, it's a, they, they face maybe a similar problem to one that Salesforce had a long time ago. When, they, when Salesforce started out, they were very simple, the simple alternative to Siebel System CRM. Right. And they got into the market and they got a great amount of market share as the simple CRM. And over time, they've gotten really complex. They still have some simple versions, but they're really complex right now. So Salesforce had, had, had that issue. Maybe Shopify has to figure out how they go from being the simple e-commerce platform to something more robust. Because frankly, Shopify is fantastic for simple stores. If you have any complexity in your processes, you either have to have a third app out or an app outside of Shopify to handle those processes, or you're probably better suited to something like Magento where you can really con- uh, make the platform meet your requirements rather than have your requirements conform to the platform. Right. Awesome. Well, this has been a nice little chat. We've got um, 25 minutes or so of uh, interesting stuff for our listeners to dive into in terms of recapping the first half of 2021. Um, appreciate the time, Graham. I'm going to let you start to enjoy uh, the, the last uh, non-holiday weekend of June here. And uh, cheers, man. Talk Thanks, to you uh, on Monday. Cheers. Have a good weekend. Thanks for listening to this episode of e-commerce answers. If you have ideas for topics you believe we should be exploring, send a note to podcast at acorin.com or you can fill out the contact form on our website. If you'd like to participate and be a guest, we welcome those inquiries too. Thanks so much for listening and we look forward to bringing you our next episode.